is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Lily Lukow. We want to remind you that this program broadcasts from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. Tonight on the special edition of Generation Justice, we highlight longtime GJ family member, Joshua Horton, and his journey as an actor, creative, and storyteller. Joshua Caleb Horton is a SAG after actor and storyteller, born and raised in the South Valley of Albuquerque, New Mexico. His recent credits include supporting roles in Netflix's Daybreak, Better Call Saul, and he recently booked a role in the series MacGruber, now streaming on Peacock TV. This evening, we'll hear about his journey into acting and explore more about his passion for storytelling. Now, GJ member Sunandita Santana speaks with Josh Horton. Thank you, Louie. This is Sunandita Santana with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Josh Horton, a SAG actor and storyteller. Beyond the credits that Lily did mention, Josh has been involved in Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead and is currently working on a Butch Cassidy Western and recently wrapped Rude Girl, a local Indigenous superhero short film. Um, Josh, welcome back to Generation Justice. Um, if you could tell us a little more about yourself. Hi, Sunny. Yes, thank you for uh, creating the space for, for me to be here. Um, so yeah, my name is Joshua Horton. Uh, I'm a son of a preacher kid, um, grew up here in the east side and in the west side in the South Valley of Albuquerque. Um, you know, I, I love storytelling. I think that's, that's where it started for me. Um, there was an opportunity to choose an elective in middle school and there was band or theater and uh, my brother was in band and he had a trumpet and he would carry his little trumpet around and he thought he was cool. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do band. Like theater is less nerdy, you know, but uh, I chose theater. And I remember there was a distinct moment of being on stage and, and we, Miss Agronaut, I got to give credit to her. She just uh, introduced me to Shakespeare and I played Macbeth and Hamlet, of course, truncated versions. And I remember being on stage and uh, looking up at the clock and, and thinking in the middle of a soliloquy, I'm like, I love this. You know, this is, um, this is what I want to do. And ever since then, just that passion for telling stories has, has uh, driven what I wanted to do. And my dad, he was, um, he's a hardworking man. Like he started off at Southwest Airlines as a bellhop. Um, and he would he would push people in wheelchairs and uh, he actually got to push Andre the Giant. So, uh, you know how strong my dad is. He could push a, you know, 400 pound man. But he started there and he, he worked, you know, over 30 years his way up into uh, management. But he was he it took time away from family. And I remember being little. I was probably like 10 or so. And I was like, I want to be a painter. I want to be an artist. So then I'll have time to spend with my kids, you know. But I understood even at a very young age that uh, my dad made a sacrifice and did things that he necessarily didn't want to do, but for his family. And I knew if I was in a position, I wanted to be able to, to do what I love to do, but also uh, manage my time in a way where I could be present with the people around me. And I think that's the kind of freelance work that acting is, you know, the gigs in between. It allows me to have time and space for um life and other things so after after 
middle school, I kind of just continued into um, theater at Highland High School with Colin Jones, which, which Colin Jones, he's, he's a great actor in his own right. And we ended up both being in Daybreak together. So I was in, I never would have thought in a million years that me and my acting teacher would have been in the same Netflix movie, you know, but that's, that's just kind of where acting can, can take you. But um, I, I went to NMSU, got my BFA in theater arts there. I went and spent some time at UNLV working on an MFA program um, in acting and performance. And um, through life and kind of, I guess what I could say about my time in graduate school, which I didn't finish, was uh, life kind of humbled me in a way. And I really was tested um, in ways that I didn't, I I wasn't really prepared for, you know, but um, we could go and dive into that later. But continuing on acting, once I, I dropped out of graduate school and I got home, I was just so hungry. I just wanted to create and, uh, and act. I just, after six years of higher education, I was like, <laughs> you know, forget, forget the arts degree, forget it all. Like, I just want to do what I want to do. Um, but I mean, I'm talking anything from Craigslist ads, which I don't even know if those are the safest acting avenues for people, but you know, I'm hundred dollar commercials with, you know, scotch tape on the mic, um, started out in background. I was basically just, just doing any and everything I possibly could. Um, and, and in doing that, just working hard, being on time, being prepared. Um, one of the agents here in Albuquerque, Carissa Mitchell, she had heard my name a few times. She called me. Um, then she ended up representing me. Then by, that was in like October, then in December, had the audition for Daybreak, which was like my first real audition for something professional. And I ended up getting booked in, in Daybreak. Um, which is is interesting because I've been acting my whole life, but there's like something about, I remember I had a friend that, uh, they say, oh, you're an actor. And this is before I, I worked in any professional. And they said, okay, well, what have I seen you in? And I was like, well, you haven't really seen anything I've, I've been in. And he said, well, then you're not an actor. And I started thinking like, you know, we equivalent exposure with um, like credentials, you know? Just because if you're if you're a chef and you're a really good cook on your level and I haven't tasted your food, that doesn't mean you're not a chef, <laughs> you know? So when it comes to artists and acting, like I'm an actor regardless of making a professional gig. Like that's just what I love to do. I, and I think that's where me creating my own videos had come from. Um, I, I didn't want to wait for anyone to tell me I was an actor. I didn't want to wait for anyone to give me permission to be an artist. And I think, I don't know if it's schooling or teaching, a lot of times I think artists, at least for me, I, I was waiting for someone to have the key to, to open up a door or something. But, but with the tools and the stuff that we have now, like I, I literally just take my iPhone, I'll take a poem, I'll take whatever I'm feeling at the time. It's kind of spontaneous. And I'll go out there and just create, edit it myself and, and put out content that is important to me. Um, so now I'm continuing working um, I work my acting gigs. I do my videos in between. I made a short film uh, a few years ago. Um, I just, I want to tell stories. I want to tell stories about people like me. I want to tell stories about people whose voices aren't heard on a day-to-day basis. And I think the film community is, 
is pushing that. It's pushing different stories and um, giving voices to people who, who don't necessarily have them. Absolutely. And I, I really admire your drive and your motivation. What is your production company called and where do you sort of film your videos? So my, my production is uh, Solo Dolo Productions, which is funny because uh, <laughs> growing up, one of my favorite rappers is Kid Cudi. And he's, he talks about how he's Mr. Solo Dolo. And for those of you who don't know, Solo Dolo is kind of like on my own, by myself, doing my own thing. So that's just that's basically what I what I do. Um, and, and I was looking at those those first few videos I made. And the first one I did was a poem about weeds and about kind of the good and bad coming together and the work you got to put into. So um, I was diagnosed with depression and severe anxiety. Um, and on top of that, I, I ended up falling to alcoholism and addiction. And for about two years, uh, it was a really kind of a battle for my life. And uh, that's, that was part of the reason I ended up dropping out of graduate school. And it actually felt really good. It felt like the first time I made a decision to um, take care of myself. You know, I, ha I hadn't been taking care of myself and uh, ended up in re rehabilitation and uh, was give basically given a second chance at, at my life, you know. Um, but in coming out of that hole, <laughs> there was such a vulnerability and gratitude that I, that I received. Like, I remember looking at the sky one day and I'm like, man, has, has the sky always been this beautiful, you know, but it felt like for the first time my feet were on the ground and I was able to realize the, the gift of life, you know, and sometimes it, it takes that, that darkness and that hurt, um, to, co in, in contrast to the good. You know, so I was able to um, appreciate life. But that, that's kind of where those videos started. It was like a spontaneous just creativity of a need and a drive and a want to, to tell my story. You know, that I'd, I'd been to hell and back and, and by the grace of, of God or my higher power or whatever you, you want to call it, um, I was given another chance at life. And that came out in, in comedy. It came out in spirituality. It came out in poems. It came out in hip hop. Um, monologues, whatever it was. And I, I try not to force create creativity because I feel like when you put it in a box of parameters, um, like I, I don't do it for likes or cloud or anything like that. It's just, a, and, and I think that's the thing too. I'm going off on a tangent, but people talk about acting being van vanity and vain and it's all about, you know, looks and this and that. And I'm like, you can make it that if that's what you want. But you think about five-year-olds or, you know, when, you, when you're a kid on the playground and you say, hey, you're a prince and kids just, oh, you know, they're, they're playing, they don't think. We, they have such a creative and a, and a play that when, when you get older and hardened by the world, you tell someone, hey, you're the prince of Denmark, you're playing Hamlet and you start thinking like, hmm, you know, what does a prince do? It's like, no, you have the abilities. You have the, the imagination and the play. So, and a lot of times I'll, I'll start doing videos and have my iPhone set up and I'll be in the middle of the desert with, you know, makeup on and uh, a costume. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, but I'll go and edit it later in the process and be like, oh, okay. I see how this is fitting. And, and that's kind of, the unknown is kind of fun to me, you know? Josh, I just want to thank you. Um, 
I appreciate you sharing and being vulnerable with me. Um, and I also just want to express how grateful we are that you're here and present with us. Um, and we just appreciate you being vulnerable. Now, here's Josh Horton and his solo dollar production of Weeds. The thorns in your side multiply. You drag your muddy feet, tracking the landmines inside. Who knew a goat head could be so stubborn? Sunburn, pulling and pulling the roots dug deep like a tooth, eating your enamel, the straws that broke the camel's back. You laid flat, steamrolled by a tumbleweed. You can't see through a whirlwind of allergies and a sea of red blood from the nosebleed. Pests just test your soil. Better bet the insect that infest won't take a step until you grab your shovel and deck. Get your hands dirty and fake and sweat. Break your neck until you lose your breath Until you can't give one more rep It's still your set, finish what you began You see you're right on track working with your hands You see the thing about weeds is they always come back It's all a part of the plan I used to think gain only came from grain not the weeds, the field of wheat, my hands tickled by the top of the crop, the warm breeze and ease that came from God, pested and tormented by the prick of venom, unplanted horn devils to dance with, I never asked them, passive act, and actually I should flame them all in a propane casket, and hope the fruit of my labor remains everlasting. First comes the dirt and then the chest And what actually is happening is the good and bad band together for revelation and reaction. Knowing God is actually knowing you know nothing at all. Your plans are not involved, you are unevolved and small, but God's promising ring still gave you a call. All the pain is purpose, all the rain is working, fertilizing the rose and thorn, it's all merging and urging, trusting to something bigger than us. Our stage is but a short fuss, a soft cry, a fade of dust. And when the wheat and weeds shrivel up, the only thing left is love. You just heard Josh Horton's poem entitled Weeds, and you are tuned in to Generation Justice, broadcasting on 89.9 KUNM-FM. Tonight on this special episode, we speak with longtime GJ member, actor, and storyteller, Josh Horton, interviewed by Sunandita Santanam. Thank you so much, Lily, and I'm super excited to be here with Josh. Um, so... Josh, I read in your bio that you are a SAG member, and I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about what that means. Yeah, so the Screen Actors Guild is basically the union for actors. So once you do two professional um, gigs, they, they, I think they call you a must join. So uh, I had booked Daybreak, and then I had booked um, Interrogation on CBS. And then I got booked on Better Call Saul. So on that third one, I was able to join the union. And it's cool because you they, they take care of you. You get paid a, a SAG rate. They make sure you get paid. They make sure your hours um, are taken care of. That, the, you know, they, there are certain things that they can and cannot do. Basically, just like any union, you know, they, they take care of you, dental, health, insurance, stuff like that. Um, but that's why, you know, you, they see the big fight with, uh, IOTC and film people wanting to be treated <laughs> um, 
and taken care of because I, I think there's a lot of exploitation and um, I think people like to put profits over people's well-being, you know, and I think it's important to make sure that regardless of the work, regardless of what industry you're in, that um, you're taken care of. Thank you so much for clarifying what SAG is. Um, and it just seems like such an awesome union. And um, you touched a little bit on how unions try to protect actors from um, exploitation by the industry. And I think that's super important. And thank you for shedding light on that. So Josh, we want to take you back 10 years. Um, we have a Generation Justice audio clip from 2010 when you were 16 years old riding on a freedom ride across the country to attend the U.S. Social Forum, which was held in Detroit. You were the youth journalist interviewing two youth activists, Lucia Martinez and Ceci Frescas, who you'll also hear in this clip. The first stop on the freedom ride was Ponca City, Oklahoma, and you guys were learning about environmental racism. Here's a clip that starts with a narration from another youth activist, Liz, and then we come to you as the journalist. And then the tables got turned on you and you were asked what you thought and what you were feeling in that moment. Um, so we want to show you a clip of that. Oh my goodness. Our first Freedom Rider stop is Ponca City. Ponca City received its name from the Ponca Native American people after the Cherokee outlet land run in 1893. Indigenous tribes of the area include the Ka, Osage, Oro, Missouri, Pawnee, Ponca, and Tonkaway. Some of the issues that impact this community are a high unemployment rate, very low income, and a disproportionate rate of diabetes, heart, and respiratory illness, as well as many forms of cancer. The largest refinery in Oklahoma is in Ponca City and owned by ConocoPhillips. The economic impact of oil and other industries in Oklahoma promotes the oil is king mentality. On this day, we learn about environmental justice from an indigenous perspective.
right. So I know you were the youth radio interviewer in that clip. Um, but then you did share your thoughts at the end of the clip. Um, what are your reactions? You know, first of all, I'm a terrible interviewer. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> my interview skills were not that sharp, but uh, wow, what a gift. You know, if, if one, that's probably the top thing I remember from the, the U.S. social forum was um, Ponca City. And what a gift for a 16-year-old um, from New Mexico to be able to travel across the country. And not only to you hear about environmental racism in a textbook, uh, but to see it firsthand. And I think in the video, uh, Ceci and Lucia talked about it, to, to look these people in the face and to see that their grave sites were being desecrated and, and to see how um, this particular group of people was being left behind and being disregarded. Um, I mean, it just lit the fire of justice in me. You know, I, I think any person with with any moral sense uh, understands that that's not right. And I think that's one of the things G Generation Justice taught me was that we have we have uh, we we have to. There there is a have to to stand up for the people who need it. And I, I remember distinctly talking with one of the elders and, and um, saying, like, if I ever get a chance to come back here, I, I really want to help. You know, and I remember I got something from the U.S. Social Forum that said, never forget that a small group of committed people can change the world. Um, and I think it was cutting out on that clip, but I said something about um, I want to leave the world a better place. And, uh, you know, that's such that's an innocence, almost a na naive innocence that uh, I grew up with. But there's there's something so pure to it that I think as you get older, as I got older you know, you kind of forget and you think like you can't make a change or, um, but I'm reminded that I can, you know, and even, even us telling Ponka's story in itself was, was powerful and, and helping create change. Um, and also there was something about the ancestors and the people that, that came before us you know, I was talking about like followers and clout and stuff like that, the stuff that we kind of praise today. Um, my, my granny, Alpha Pal, she, her name's not in lights. You know, they're not, they're not talking about granny on, on NBC or anything, but she was a hard work working, God fearing woman of faith um, who raised four kids by herself and her, her, her legacy still lives her love her smile her laugh still lives through me and through my nieces and nephews and that that's something that you know is not going to be highlighted by the world but it still has a, an impact it's still she still has an effect you know so I, I think something that I, I understand is we stand on the faith and the people that have come before us you know just just to be where we're at you know the faith I have the spirituality I have today uh, it, it didn't just come from me. You know, it's not something I, I 
manifested or made myself. It's personal to me. It's my own walk and own journey. But I, I definitely understand that, you know, my father and his his father and, and my, my ancestors are are with me, you know. And um, I think we have a right to, to make sure we honor them with our lives, you know, because we can do things that some of our, our ancestors could not do. Wow. Um, that was really, really powerful. And it sounds like that trip to Ponca City really did make a huge impact on your life and your journey. Um, and then I know that clip was 10 years ago, but is there something that you carry with you from that time in your life when that, that clip was filmed? I think that longing for justice, you know, longing for things that are wrong to be made right and that's why i think when i see something that uh, that it that is unjust i have to say something i have to do something i have to create something um that stands up and fight fights against it you know the events of george floyd and ahmaud aubrey and um i remember the the first i was about the same age as trayvon martin about the same age, and, and I remember that that struck me deeply. Um, so, so I think when it comes to uh, people of color, discriminated communities, um, any anytime I see something like that, I, I have to I have to say something, you know, um, and stand up for what's right, and and understand that even your little part, even being who you are, um, and going the places that you go. Uh, ha has an effect, <laughs> you know, it's, it's um, sometimes just being yourself is resistance, you know, and I, I think that's something, and I remember Roberta sent me down and, and she said, she said something on the lines of, even if this isn't what you do, you know, even if social justice or grassroots, grassroots organizations isn't what you do, you know, being the man that, that you're going to be is important, you know, um, and, and what a gift to get a kid outside of himself you know because our our my problems can seem so big and and such a small world but to open open my mind to other people's problems to think about other people uh is, is such a gift and that's something that I carry today absolutely and that really you know resonated with me just because I think resistance movements are so important, especially now, mm. now that we're seeing an uprise of people talking about the trauma that they've been through. Um, what kind of, you know, values have you taken from Generation Justice that you think have really stayed with you or that you still carry with you? Wow. I think, um, you know, growing up in a religious household, I don't think that made me open-minded as, as contradictory as that sounds you know I think sometimes religion can be exclusive it can uh put people against each other it can be separatist but what what generation justice taught me was that we are all connected in, in a way and to take to take people who normally probably wouldn't hang out with each other uh, you know, like outside, the, but the fact that we were all brought together from different backgrounds, from different genders, from different sexual identities, from all over the, the spectrum to come together and to focus on important issues. There, there's something about that that, I don't know, it lowers your, your 
I mean, I guess it breaks your stereotypes of people as well as as you're, um, you know, in this melting pot of people. And understand that we're people. I think it it, it created a, a family atmosphere, you know. So to be able to treat people like family, I think that's something that uh, is hard to do. But I, I think we're more connected than than we think we are. There was this this a sermon where Martin Luther King was talking about, you know we're more connected than we think we are. Like you wake up, you drink a cup of coffee that came from somebody in Colombia. You know, you grab the soap that was made by a Frenchman. It's like, we, we are all super reliant and dependent on each other, especially in the world we live in today. And I think that was something that, that generation justice, even in a small microcosm created um, that has helped me move through life and to be able to, to talk and integrate with all different types of people and not, judge them by what they look like or who they are, you know, but understand that there, there's a humanity and uh, a element that we all share, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that is something that I carry from Generation Justice too. Um, and I just want to thank you again for being so open to sharing with me. And that kind of leads me into what are significant points or moments in your journey as an actor, as a person um, that have really made a difference in your life? <laughs> oh, there's a lot, you know? Um, so I remember it was about October, oh no, no, it was August 7th. Um, I, had, I had woke up and uh, I, I was in the, probably like the worst point of my addiction. Um, and I woke up and I didn't feel anything. Like I felt completely dead inside. And that was actually the scariest moment of my life. And, and I uh, finally went and got help. <laughs> um, but I remember being in, in detox and I remember being on the phone with my niece. And uh, she said, Uncle Josh, you can come smell my stinky feet, <laughs> you know? And, and it hit me like a ton of bricks, like, well, Unky Josh is sick. You know, I have this medical, you know, spiritual disease, and I need to deal with this thing if I'm going to be able to participate in life in, a, in an um, effective way. And I remember I got out of uh, detox, got an, another chance. Um, at sobriety and I went to church on Sunday and and I don't know what it was that you know I, I used to think church was really theatrical and kind of fake and all the clapping and singing I'm like yeah yeah but there was something inside of me that was just so grateful <laughs> for another chance at life that I was praising I was shouting I, I didn't care I didn't think twice about who was looking at me like I just had to physically show my appreciation to my higher power and they did the altar call and I just I fell down and that was the first time I felt like I just surrendered you know that I just said you know what God <laughs> my way is not working you know I, I'm I'm spiritually physically mentally um in in the hole you know and and I need help you know and uh I feel like that hole in the soul that I was trying to fill with, with drinking, with relationships, with whatever, you know, I feel like some, something happened to 
put me on a path that that was different from what I was going on. So that was just one. That was August 18th, I believe. And since that day, what that was 862 days later, you know, I, I've been sober and I've been on a different path in life. So that's one of the days I'll, I'll forever be grateful for. And um, it's kind of put me on, on the path that I'm on now. <laughs> wow. That, that's amazing. Um, first off, I'm really appreciative that you were able to share that with me and you were able to be vulnerable with me. And you really did touch and talk on some really deep, important, impactful things in your life. Um, and I just firstly want to congratulate you on your sobriety, but also acknowledge and recognize that we're so grateful um, to have you here today and hear your story because you have so much wisdom and um, great things to share. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, what message did you want to send to the youth, whether in Generation Justice or just in general? Oh, man, I think I think kids have it difficult more than ever today with uh, the amount of exposure that um, the youth's live is is in, you know, with so many platforms and medias. Um, and also we're so connected without any connectivity. <laughs> you know, we have we, we could be in rooms full of people. We're all on our screens, um, which is which is interesting, but but I think whatever that thing is inside of you that you are passionate about, um, pursue that thing, you know? And I think the pandemic has really shifted a lot of people's mindsets in um, purpose, you know? that Even in the video we were talking about, that there's a purpose to your life and whatever gifts you have, use them for the the good that you can do you know this is something that I learned and I believe to be true that nobody has the key to your life but you you know nobody's gonna come in and and you know un unlock your life obviously you're gonna learn things from people you need people no man's an island but but know that there's something so valuable inside of you you know and life is like it's like a flower. You don't, you don't, you're not going to have it all together. You know, it's slowly unfolding one petal at a time as you learn and go along through life. And I think there's a lot of pressure today by 18 to have your whole life figured out. And that's just, that's not how life works. You know, uh, I think even our school system, you know, get the A, get the A, get the A. It's like, you know, sometimes it's the F's that teach you, you know, and it's not the point of getting the A, it's the stuff you learn along the way, you know? Um, it's not A, B, C equals D, it's, you know, life is gonna take you on a, on a turn, you know? And what is that anchor? What is that solid thing that's gonna keep you when everything else is going wild? You know, and for me, that, that's my faith. That's my faith in God and um, my connection with, with my higher power, you know? And that's, that's the only thing that, that has kept me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially in something like like acting that's so up and down. It's it's I have faith. You know, the jobs will come. The the next gig will come. If this is what I'm supposed to do, um, with hard work, with trust, with faith, it's gonna happen. You know, and I can look back at my life. I may not be able to see ahead, but I can look back 
and I can see the traps and the dangers and the stuff that I've been brought through. And the fact that I'm still here means, you know, God ain't through with me yet. So there's, there's yet purpose. There's yet a plan for my life. And if there's a plan for mine, I believe there's absolutely a plan for yours. For sure. For sure. And I know like I just turned 19 when I was 18, there was so much pressure to just be an adult. And that was a lot. And I know not just for me, all the 18 year olds and 19 year olds out there have experienced that at one point. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about what you're working on currently? So currently I'm working on a Butch Cassidy uh, Western. It's really cool. I'm, I'm playing a, a character in his in Butch Cassidy's gang. So we're robbing banks and doing cool stuff. Um, so that's currently what I'm working on. Also, MacGruber on the NBC Peacock, that just came out, and I believe I'm in about three episodes in there playing a, a NSA nerd. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just auditioned for some plays in Santa Fe, uh, the Santa, Santa Fe Playhouse, which is actually where we did Othello the Remix, which is a, a rap musical about the story of Othello. Um, so the creative director, our, the artistic director is doing a lot of really uh, cool stuff there and trying to bring different voices to Santa Fe, which I think is awesome. So um, I'll be looking forward, hopefully be casting a uh, show there. But but I think that's, that's the thing too, is I, I love film, but theater will always be my home. You know, that's, that's where I started. And there's nothing like live performance and connecting with people in person, you know, and also the momentum of storytelling you get with theater, as in film, it's a lot of stop and start, stop and start. Um, but to be invested in the story for, you know, two hours and 30 minutes, um, there's something that the imagination can just kind of ride that roller coaster. And um, I, I love it, you know. Very cool. I'm super excited to see what's in store. Um, where can people find out more information about you? So uh, I guess you can go to my Facebook or Instagram. <laughs> I'm on those two social media platforms, uh, Joshua Caleb Horton. My Instagram and Josh Horton at Facebook. Uh, that's, that's me. Also, I, I do have a short film. It's called Insecurity. Um, Solo Dolo Productions. It's, on, it's free on YouTube, 15 minutes. You can check it out my first uh, short film I, I ever made. That's so cool. I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> um, is there anything else you would like to add? You know, before, uh, uh, well, actually, this is funny, but, you know, I, I showed up last Friday to the interview. That was this Friday. <laughs> I was so prepared. I was so ready. But my mom, she uh, she didn't know I was I was doing the interview with Generation Justice. And she said, you know what? I've been thinking about Roberta and whenever you talk to her, I want you to thank her for, you know, that you, she's like, you can't raise a child by yourself. And she's like, I'm just so grateful for the people who poured into you, you know, and, and I, I call her mama Roberta and I call her mama Roberta for a reason. You know, she, uh, she put a lot of care and love into me and um, challenged me, you know, to, to think critically <laughs> and to think more, uh, more, more than 
to think outside of my, myself, you know, which is really hard for a 12 to 21 year old, you know, and even the fact that, you know, giving the youth a voice, it's so important as a, as a child to have that opportunity to that, to say, Hey, you know what, your voice is important. And, um, we're, we're preparing you for something greater, you know? So I, I think what Generation Justice does, what, what it's done for my life, what Roberta has done in my life is invaluable. And uh, she's one of the many people who, who helped make me the man I am today, you know? So I'm so grateful for the love and community and her commitment to the youth that uh, this world desperately needs. Um, thank you so much, Josh, for actually being here today. Um, just to start off, I, I feel like when I first joined Generation Justice, I joined for the purpose that I didn't feel like people understood why I was so passionate about social justice and why I was so passionate about making a change and so like seeing someone like you really taking that social justice and doing it through a creative lens, that's something that I've always wanted to do. And that's actually why I'm in film school, just because I think storytelling and telling stories of people that didn't get the chance is so important. And just to see you like being so good at what you do being so immersed in the work that you do it's so inspiring to me um and I've just been a little like scared of you know going to film school and not knowing what's on the other side so to see you give me such like good vibes it it means a lot to me so thank you so much for sharing your work and the things that you've done here, but not only that, um, the work that you've done outside. And I'm, I'm just really thankful that I got to hear from you. I appreciate you, Sonny. That, that warms my heart. <laughs> um, you know, I think there's something like so innately human about storytelling. You know, since, since the dawn of time, like we've been drawing on rocks and, and telling our story. And I think it's a, it's a vessel for empathy. You know, so I think storytelling and social justice, they go hand in hand. And, and, you know, regardless of film school, like you'll get the tools that you need. But that that drive that's in you, that that's what's going to guide you. And, and I don't I don't know you personally, but, you know, an interview is only as good as the, the interviewer. And you you did a, a fantastic job, um, really made me feel, feel able to be, to open up and be vulnerable. Um, so, so thank you for, for that. Thank you for being here and thank you for making me feel comfortable and heard. Um, just like seeing you in person, it just like makes me feel more comfortable in what I'm doing. And then thank you so much for just being so patient with me. For Generation Justice, I'm Sunandita Santanam. Josh, thank you so much. Your insight and wisdom in this interview was so moving to me. I thought it was so powerful hearing you say that we should not equate exposure with credentials. As you continue growing in your acting career and your credentials, I hope you know you always have been an amazing storyteller and actor and will continue to be so. And congratulations on your newest role in the series, MacGruber. <laughs>